Welcome to the City Hills Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that the message today helped you encounter God, love people, and discover purpose. For more information about who we are as a church, head over to cityhillschurchsd.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, click the Give button at the top of the homepage on our website. And now, let's jump right into the message. Well, guys, for those of you that I haven't had the chance to meet, my name is Danny. I'm the pastor here, and uh, it's Veterans Day weekend, so we have a lot of our family here that are helping out throughout the city, doing some really incredible things all over the place. And we have, we're coming out on the heels of a series where we've been digging into finding our way back to God. And we were looking at Jesus's parable of the prodigal son and, and all of the, the implications that has for us. And it's just been a really, really cool, deep, energizing series that we've been working through. And so coming out of that, I really wanted us to do something practical. Right. I wanted us to be able to, to hit on maybe some of the things that you guys are walking through before we get into our holiday series. And so that's why we're doing this brand new series over the next two weeks called Leadership 101. And one of my favorite things in the world to study is leadership. I just love it. From John Maxwell to Simon Sinek to Walt Disney to Ed Catmull to Andy Stanley, I've read as many leadership books as I possibly can because I just love it. I, I just like geek out on it. I hear about a new leadership book and I'm like, oh, oh, okay, I need to get that. Even if I'm not going to read it right now, like I just, I love that because I'm passionate about people discovering their purpose and understanding you are a leader. If you have breath in your lungs, you're a leader. And hopefully you have breath in your lungs by the, the end of today. But did you know that just because you have a title or a position that doesn't make you a leader, Right. We've all had that person in our life that they have that leadership title, but they are as far from a leader as they possibly can be. For many of us, we're, we're striving to be in charge because we feel like if we can get that title or that position, then we can actually make some changes within an organization, right? Whether that's feeling like even in your home, right? There's times where you feel like there's a little bit of leadership battle or maybe it's in, in where you work or where you serve in the military. And we've all been in that place where we have leaders that we follow that have these these flaws. And maybe some of their flaws are they, you know, they change their mind all the time. Have you ever, raise your hand quickly, you've ever had a leader that changes their mind like every three seconds? Yes? Yes. So many of us. Or maybe how many of you have had a leader who's, they're just dramatic and they lead with emotions. Anyone had a dramatic leader? I had one, one lady that was my boss one time. Woo! Jesus help me. I didn't know how I made it through it. She was that was an emotional roller coaster that Six Flags couldn't handle. It was just off the chain. Maybe they're egotistical, or maybe for some of you, you've dealt with a leader that they're insecure and you kind of intimidate them, right? Maybe you have a little bit of confidence and they're struggling with some things in their life and, and you make them feel uncomfortable and they kind of take it out on you. Whatever the situation is, you feel and I feel like wherever there's a leadership deficit, it's my God-given responsibility to step in and fix it, right? Don't we have that like charge within us? Like there's something wrong. I've got to fix it. Maybe, maybe that is the case in some of the situations that you're going through. But maybe, just maybe, there's something that we need to work on in our leadership before 
we strive to step into some of those positions. A great leadership book that has helped me, and, and I'd love for you to pick it up one day if, if you're trying to grow in your leadership, is, is a book by Clay Scroggins, and it's called How to Lead When You're Not in Charge. It's awesome. It, he's a super funny cat. It's, it's awesome. But listen to what he says in the book. He says, we live in an authority-based culture where certain positions possess authority and responsibility, but we all know that positional authority alone does not equate to effective leadership. If a leader does not inspire confidence, he or she will be unable to affect change without resorting, this is important, without resorting to brute force. Have you ever had that leader that can't lead with confidence and they just come in yelling, making a bunch of noise and kicking things over? It's like, what are you doing? Simmer down. What is happening? Influence has always been and will always be the currency of leadership. Look at this, this first note on your paper. Influence always outpaces authority. Guys, don't miss that. Like, if you hear anything, don't miss that. Your ability to influence people is the ultimate key to your leadership. It's not position. It's not title. It's not income. It's not race. It's not gender. It's 100% based on influence. And you and I can have influence and leverage our influence regardless of what level of the organization, regardless of what level of the relationship we're in. So before we can tackle the leadership deficit that exists in the people that we follow, we're going to spend the next two weeks looking at how we can grow in our own leadership and grow in the ways that we can just see how God can do some awesome things in our life. One of my other favorite leaders, John Maxwell, he says it this way. The only one you should compare yourself to is you. Your mission is to become better today than you were yesterday. You do that by focusing on what you can do today to improve and grow. The key word in there, today. Look at your neighbor, look at somebody next to you and tell them, today. Look at the other person and say a little bit louder because that was really, really weak. Say today. today. Yes, much better. Yes. Today's talk is called Know Your Season. Know Your Season. And over the next couple months, we're going to hear that word all the time, right? It's the holiday season. There's songs about the seasons. We, we all love and dread the season that we're walking into because it's, it has so many great memories or maybe some terrible memories. Or you know you're going to have to go hang out with that family member that you have been avoiding all year long and now you can't anymore. We're going into that season, but we use that word season without truly understanding its power. It's just a season that we're going through in our marriage. It's just a season that we're dealing with this and it'll be all better. Or this is just a busy season, right? They're all busy seasons. Have you ever found a season that's not busy? I haven't. It just keeps getting busier and busier. Or I hear this one all the time. San Diego doesn't have seasons. Stop making fun of my city. I love my city. It's beautiful, right? Stop hating on my city. It hurts my feelings. But the truth is that we're constantly living in a a season in our marriage, in our jobs, in our organizations, in our relationships. We're all walking through a season. And each of those seasons has a unique and important truth that we have to live by. And so what I wanted to do over the next two weeks is as we navigate our seasons, I wanted to look at the words of a really wise man 
who is known as one of the wisest men to ever live, and it's King David's son, Solomon. He was known as, as one of the wisest men, most successful leaders in the history of the world, one of the richest men to ever live. Now, I don't know if Walt Disney or Steve Jobs would compete with them. I don't really know. I can't do all the math and inflation and all that other crazy stuff, but he was a big deal in history. Whether or not you believe the Bible is all that the Bible is, King Solomon was the real deal. He's in history, and he was a tremendous, tremendous leader, successful person. And the majority of his writings are found in the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. It's a weird word, and it's probably a book that you try to avoid because you're like, I can't spell that ever again, so I'm not going to read that one. But Ecclesiastes, while Proverbs is, is like Solomon's ancient book of wisdom, and he didn't write all of, of Proverbs, but a large majority of it. His wisdom axioms all throughout. Ecclesiastes is a lot more like Solomon's leadership journal, right? There's a lot of honesty and vulnerability. And just, just to be real with you, it's not cheerful at all. The book of Ecclesiastes, it's not a real fun read, because Solomon is reflecting on his life and he sounds like he just needs a really good hug, right? He's just, he's so upset and so almost negative, but there's such wisdom that is actually found in there. And there's some powerful lessons that we, we will check out today and, and next week. But as we jump into this first cheerful episode, let's see how uh, King Solomon starts out the book. And starting in chapter one, Verse two, everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. That's cheerful, bro. Like, I appreciate that encouraging word. All right, let's go home. Doesn't it that just inspire you right there? Verse three, what do people get for all of their hard work under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth never changes. The sun rises and the sun sets, then hurries around to rise again. We'll skip ahead to verse nine. History merely repeats itself. It has all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Sometimes people say, here's something new, but it's old. Nothing is ever truly new. We don't remember what happened in the past and in the future generations. No one will remember what you're doing now. Thanks, bruh. Like, that is just pure and utter gold. And while that's incredibly depressing, there's a couple important notes that we need to grab here. And there's two quick things that I don't want you to miss. The first one is this, that time is passing us by quickly. Time is passing us by Quickly, those of you with little kids, as you watch your children growing before your eyes so fast, and, and those of you who your kids are a little bit older, you look at us and you're like, you don't even understand yet. It's like, no, we don't. Stop making fun of us. We know it goes fast. Life is passing us by quickly. But here's the key. If we're constantly focusing on what's next in our life, we'll run past all of the important things in this current season. If we don't pace ourselves, that we don't recognize that life is passing us by quickly, quickly and be present in the moment, we'll miss so many things. The second thing is this, there's nothing new under the sun. And this is important for those of you who are walking through a challenging season, because one of the lies that our enemy likes to tell us is that no one understands. No one 
could see or feel what you're going through. But guess what? There's nothing new under the sun. There's someone in this world who is walking through a situation that you are. And what we have to do is we have to guard ourselves from in our situations where we're struggling. We have to guard our heart and guard our mind in that self-talk that says, no one understands, so I might as well do this by myself. We have to guard ourselves from that because nothing is new under the sun. There, don't put the extra pressure on your season by thinking you have to do this alone. So I see Solomon going throughout his emo-themed journal with little skull stickers everywhere, listening to Fallout Boy in his room with his spiky hair, like his little emo season that he's walking through. And, and through the rest of the, the book, he rides this emotional roller coaster of, you know, life is mysterious and it makes no sense. And then he talks about his search for wisdom and knowledge and, and how that goes. And then he, he s- explores success and he explores growing in wealth and becoming incredibly wealthy. And he, he tries partying and living for today. And he tries pleasure and relationships. And he, in the end, he ends up frustrated. And we'll see next week how he actually ends all of this. But in the middle of his kind of emotional outpour in his leadership journal, in chapter 3, he starts to share some really good wisdom with us that we're going to pick up and talk about for the rest of the time that we have here. In chapter three, listen to what he says. And and maybe you've heard this. If you've ever been in church, you've, you've heard this passage before. For everything, there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant, a time to harvest, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build up, a time to cry, a time to laugh, a time to grieve, a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to turn away, a time to search and a time to quit searching. A time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be quiet and a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace and a time to stop saying a time. There is a time for everything, but the key is knowing your right season. And I remember for me, I I worked in an organization that that I actually really loved. When we, when we joined this organization, and, and Lauren and I both went on staff there, we were stoked, man. We were just, like, so excited about what the potential that was there and the, the talent that was around us. We were like, this is going to be incredible, right? Like, we're, we're surrounded by these incredible people. We've got this incredible potential in this organization. They've had success. We're going places. It's going to happen. This is awesome, but there was an issue for me because I, I felt like I didn't have a voice in the room, right? You, you know the room that I'm talking about, the room where all the decisions are made, the room where, like, the direction of the organization happens. And I felt like I didn't have a voice there. And I felt like I had so much to contribute. I had ideas. I had thoughts. I had just being present in the room and, and bringing something different that, that the other hotheads in the room couldn't bring. I felt like my calm could be able to like just be a good presence in the room. But I felt like no one was listening and no one saw it and no one recognized it. And honestly, I, I got to this place where I was pretty frustrated and depressed 
Because even though I was a part of this organization that I felt like had so much potential, I felt like I didn't get to be a part of it because I didn't get to be in the room. Everything I did was tainted by it. And so what I started to do is what we all do. I started to complain. I started to be a critic. And I started to shoot holes in everything that was going on. And I started to be more of a negative influence than a positive influence. And I remember I was sitting in my, in my tiny little office, and I heard the Lord speak to me, and he, and he said, did I bring you here to whine and complain about everything that's wrong? Is that why you're here? Is that like your purpose, that I create, create you for that reason? How are the things going in the areas that you lead right now? And I was like, oh, I don't want to talk about that. Like, oh, hey, whoa, whoa, God, simmer down. Like, I'm doing okay. And what I realized in that, that conversation with God was that I had a lot of things that I needed to work on myself. But my eyes were so focused on everything else around me that was wrong that I was missing the areas that I needed to be leading myself. And so what I started to do is I shifted and I owned that in this season, I'm only going to focus on growing and handling the areas that I was directly responsible for. I was going to put my little gun away of criticism and stop shooting holes and everything else. And I was going to be a positive influence and lead my area well. Something powerful happened. I grew in leadership and things started to go well. And God started to do some really cool things in the areas of ministry that I was leading. And then all of a sudden, people started showing up in my office for conversations. And those leaders that I looked up to would invite me to a meeting or they would pull me to the side and go, hey, what do you think about this? We're, we're, we're thinking about doing this. Where's your head at if, if we were to roll that out? And I was like, it's happening, right? Like I felt like it was finally happening, but where did it start? It started when I owned the season that I was in and I led right where I was. That's what shifted everything. So what season are you in? What season are you in? Where are you at in your life? This is the big idea for today. Before you can discover more purpose in your everyday life, you have to know and own your season. You have to know and own your season. And I believe there are four key seasons in every area of our life, and, and we'll run through these super, super quickly today. And I've seen this illustrated in a, a hundred different ways, but one of my favorite ones is, is this bell curve here because I think it just puts this great mental picture for us because our lives are cyclical, and in each season of, and section of this curve requires a different mindset. It requires a different action. And it requires us to do a couple of different things. And so the very first season, if you're taking notes, is the foundational season. The foundational season. And in this foundational season, this is where you're at the entry level of trust within your relationships, within your organization, and in your leadership. And what we need to understand is that in each level that we go through in each season, there's a different level of trust that's there. There's a different level of what they believe about us and what we believe about them. And so it's, it's something that we're working through. The problem is 
that we can be in a relationship or an organization for a really long time and still be in this spot. You may have been there for six years and you're still in this foundational season of, of your relationship or in your life. Maybe it's because our leaders know this is just a job for me. I really don't care. The, I'm just trying to get a paycheck. And that's where their level of trust with us is. Or maybe we've done something to break trust. Maybe in our relationships, maybe you're, you're dating someone or, or maybe you've been married and you're in that relationship and you feel like there has to be more to this. There, we're not going deeper. I feel like we're in the same spot as we were three years ago. Nothing is changing. It's because you're in this foundational season and you have to do a couple of different things to build that trust and grow in that behavior. Maybe, maybe we're fighting for our agenda. We're not working as a key team member of our family, key team member of our homes, key team member of our organizations. There's some key behaviors that you'll see on the screen. In the foundational season, it requires slow pace and a high level of communication. Slow pace and a high level of communication. Think about it this way. Those of you who've been married for a little while, you'll, you'll have to reminisce back. But we've all been in those relationships, right? When we're dating somebody and the date goes well, everything's good, dinner was awesome, goodnight kiss was good, and the emotions and the passion is high, and we just start skipping steps, right? We've all jumped the gun, and what happens is that our passionate hands wrote a check that our heart couldn't fund, right? We've all gotten ourselves into situations where we go too fast in a relationship, and then things start to fall apart, and we're like, what happened? We went too fast. We went faster than the level of trust. We went faster than our relationship and our communication could handle, and we get ourselves into dangerous situations. And just like me at my job, I was trying to speed past the building trust and building relation portion of that season. I was trying to go past it. I wanted a voice in the room, but they're like, I don't know you yet. You don't get to have a voice in the room until we have some trust, some communication here. And in our relationships, if you're dating, my advice to you, slow down. Just slow down. You don't have to skip all the bases. You don't have to try to figure it all out in the first two months. Take time. Build that trust. Ask questions. Find out how crazy their family is. It's a real deal. You don't want to be six months in with a ring on their hand, and they're like, oh, we're meeting your parents. What's up? Like, oh, my goodness, you are crazy. No, this is not going to work. Slow down. The second season is the growing season. The growing season. We all love this season. This is where things are clicking. We're seeing dreams become reality. Things feel good. This, this season is it's fun. It's energizing. Things are happening. We're pumped. We're stoked about what is going on in our lives, in our relationships, in our, in our organizations. But there's some important behaviors that we have to see. Check it out on the screen. The growing season requires high awareness and focused energy. High awareness and focused energy. In high school, I, I took a, a Greek mythology class. I, I was just thought the stories were fascinating. Like it was, it was really, really cool. I don't know why. I was like, 
But there's this old story in Greek mythology about a king named Midas. And King Midas helped a man and, and reached out in a really compassionate way. And he was offered a wish. And what he wished for, because he, he didn't feel like he had enough gold in his life, he wished that everything he touched would turn to gold. And so Midas was pumped about this new gift. And so he was walking through everywhere and he was touching trees and they were turning the gold. And he walked into the garden and he touched the roses and the roses turned to gold. And then he, he got his, his servants. He said, prepare us a feast. Watch what I can do. And he touched all the food and they all turned to gold. And something changed in him when he realized, wait, all my food is gold. I can't touch anything. Like, this is, this is a problem. One version of the story, it ends with these words. So Midas, king of Lydia, swelled at first with pride when he found out he could transform everything he touched to gold. But when he beheld his food grow rigid and his drink harden into golden ice, then he understood that this gift was a bane and his loathing for gold was actually a curse. I remind you of that story because when we're in this season, we're a little bit like King Midas. We feel like when we're having success in our life that we can just touch everything. We're just going to touch all the things. You know what? I did good in this area. I'm an expert in everything. Have you ever had that friend that you're, you're having a conversation with them and you're like, dude, I went to Mexico this weekend. I went cliff diving. It's like, oh, cliff diving? You know what I did? One time I went to Africa and I had nothing but a bed sheet and a rope and I jumped off a cliff and I parachuted and I rode a whale into Jamaica. And it's like, whoa, I just wanted you to say that's cool, bro. Like, good job. You went cliff diving. We've all had that person who just takes it to the other level that has to be right, that has to, like, be the expert in the room. And if we're not careful in this growing season, that's who we become. When we have a little bit of success in our life, we try to do it all. We try to be the experts in every single thing in our life. In this season, there's a couple really important things that we need to do, and I'll give them to you quickly. In the growing season, you have to be humble about your strength humble about your strengths. Listen, people see our strengths. They don't need a spotlight. They don't need us to remind them that we're good at something. It's all right. Calm down. The second thing that's more important than the first one, be transparent with our weaknesses. Show vulnerability and honesty. In the season, Hey, this is going well, but you know what? I still need some help in this area. I'm still struggling in this area. The third thing is keep the main thing the main thing. Whatever it is that you're having success in, grow in that. See where the Lord leads you in that. Stop trying to touch everything. Don't make everything now your new project because you had a little measure of success. I've done this. I had some success, and I'm like, oh, I should start a coaching network, and I should write a book, and I should do And it's like... What? How about you just be successful for a month and, and chill out? Like, calm down. The third season, and you might be in this area and, and no one loves this season, is the stagnating season. And this is a really important season because we all get there. 
We all love the growing season. We all love to be there. But the reality is in every organization and in every relationship and everything that we go through, at some point, the growing stops and the plateau comes. And honestly, we don't realize the plateau comes usually until things start to get a little bit worse. In that stagnating season, when the roller coaster starts ticking down, we wake up every day feeling like we're just maintaining. We're just going through the motions. We're just trying to make life happen. We walk into our jobs, into our marriages, into our relationships, and we think, how, how did it get this bad? How did we end up here? How did, how, how is it going this way? In the stagnating season, we have to have high transparency and solution-sided living. High transparency and solution sided living. High transparency in our relationships means owning that you feel stuck or that you feel like you're just coasting. Lauren and I, we, don't, we, we do some things really well. We do some other things terrible. Like we've been married 11 years. We don't have it all figured out. But one of the things that we do well is when we feel like something's off, we just go ahead and communicate it. I don't know how many times in our relationship one of us has walked in the room and said, hey, I feel like we're really distant. Like, something's off. And usually the other person's like, I don't feel that. Well, that's cool. I still feel it. Like something's off. And what we do is, is that with each other, we go, okay, I'm not going to diminish what you're feeling. If you feel that way, you feel that way. Like there's no me saying, oh no, it's, no, it's all good. No, it's not good. We, something needs to figure out here. So we have high transparency, high communication with each other. In our jobs, we have to communicate honestly with our leaders. Communicate honestly with them. Say, hey, listen, I want to find more purpose in the things that I'm doing. I want to find more purpose in my job. How can I grow as a leader? For me, when, when I was working within an organization, I would always, and it would annoy them, and I didn't care, I would always ask my leaders regularly, what's one area that I need to grow in? What's one area that I need to get better? And sometimes they would give me something. 80% of the time they're like, I don't know. I don't know. You're fine. Because they didn't feel like thinking about it in that moment. But I needed them to know that I wasn't satisfied. I'm going to keep growing. I'm never going to stop learning. I want to be transparent with you. Because what happens is when I wasn't transparent with them, I would start to complain and get frustrated in myself. And then the gun came out again. I was shooting holes in the organization again, right? Like, it's just what happened. Solution-sided living. I, I learned this term several years ago, and I felt like I discovered a long-lost relative. Like, it's just, I love this term, and I love this lifestyle. I live by this model, this motto, and maybe you want to write it down. Maybe you want to join me on this journey. But I refuse to complain about something I am unwilling to do something about. I'm just not going to complain about it. If, if I'm going to walk into a grocery store and it's a hot mess, every time I walk into Ross, I get the heebie-jeebies and I start scratching my neck and it just feels like, why is this not more organized? This doesn't make any sense to me. But I'm not going to complain about it because I'm not going to do anything to fix it. So I choose not to complain about things that I'm not willing to try to fix. So in this season, 
Don't complain about your job or your spouse. Figure out what to do to make it better. Figure out what to do in your spot, in your season. My bosses, they don't recognize me. Then do your job in a way that they have to remark about it. Do your job in a way that they go, why, why are you doing extra? Why are you doing more? I'm not paying you for that. I just want to get better. I just want there. I want you to see. But the key is lead in those moments humbly. Don't do something good and to be like, hey, I did something good. Defeats the whole purpose, right? Do it humbly. Use your influence to bring a positive change to your organization. My wife doesn't do this. My husband doesn't do that. We all go through that. We all have those seasons. Sit down with your spouse. Sit down with that person that you're in a relationship with and say, hey, what's, what's the three things that we need to work on in this season? Not 52, not 27. I can't do all the things, but what about in the next couple months? What are these two or three things that we can do together? And then focus on creating momentum in that. And then guess what? When your husband finally takes out the trash on time, celebrate it. Go and make out with them and say, you are so hot when you take out the trash on time. Woo, you are awesome, right? Like celebrate the wins when you have them. Solution-sided living changes a culture of complaining and stagnation. Live on the solution side of things. Don't be the person that walks in the room and whines and complains about everything that's wrong. No one wants to be around that person. You know what the person they want to be around? They want to be around the person who walks in and goes, hey, can I help? Can I, can I go pick up a couple of things? Like, can I take care of this for you? Yeah, that'd be awesome. That'd be really cool. And the last one, the fourth season, is the reinventing season. This is, this is a really key spot here, guys. As we hit the stagnating season, and we're all going to hit it, we have a choice. We either die or we reinvent. There's not a whole lot else that we can do. Either the relationship dies, either we go further and further into depression, either we go further and further into the situations that we don't want to be in, or we reinvent ourselves. In this reinventing season, it requires us to be open to new thoughts and to have intentional motives. The reason that organizations and relationships die is because we stop the adventure and we stay exactly the same and we expect something to be different. We expect that we don't have to change anything. We just keep it the same. No, it doesn't work that way. We have to constantly be growing and reinventing ourselves. In the church world, you guys don't deal with this as much as I have in the past. In the church world, we call this building sacred cows. Right. We build these sacred cows that like I've literally seen people leave a church because the pastor changed the furniture in the foyer. And it's like. What's wrong with them? Are they crazy? It's just one little change. But before we get crazy on them, like I used to. Don't you and I bristle up a little bit when change comes in our life? Don't you and I when when the opportunity is let's stay the same or let's change and try to make things better. Don't you and I normally go, ah, I'm not a big fan of change. We have to be willing to think new thoughts. We have to be able to, in this season, also have intentional 
motives. The why is always more important than the what. As we wrap up today, in your leadership, you have to ask yourself, why do I want that position? Why do I want more power? Why do I want more influence? Is it, is it to fill our egotistical needs? Is it for us to feel like we have our hands on more things to control it? Or is it because we genuinely believe we can help people find more purpose and reach their potential and elevate the organization? What's the why behind the what? In your relationships, do, your, do you want your spouse to get better at X, Y, and Z because it just makes your life easier or because it makes them a better person? It helps them reach their potential that God has placed inside of them. Why is greater than the what? In this season, we have to consistently check our motives. We have to check our motives. Here's the final note before we pray. Ignoring your season leads to ineffectiveness, discontentment, and apathy. We can't ignore our season. We can't just go through life and go, oh, whatever. It's just a season. No, 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 no. We've got to name our season. We've got to own our season. We've got to say, okay, in this season, I'm going to work on this. And when we do that, we're able to see God do incredible and powerful things. The challenge is to, to discover your season, to own it, and then communicate it to whoever it is that you need to communicate it with. Next week, we're going to be talking about how you become the most valuable person in your team. But before we get there, you've got to know your season. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for this lesson. And, and even though it comes from this book of the Bible that it just feels weird to just hear someone be so transparent about their, their frustrations in life and frustrations in their journey. God, there's, there's so much that we can learn. God, I pray that you would just make clear to us whatever season that we're in, whatever season that we're walking through. I pray that you would just help us to, to see it, to know it, to name it, God, and then be able to do the things that we need to in that season. I pray for every single person in here. God, they are a leader they're a leader in their home. They're a leader in their, their circle of influence, in their friendships, in their dating relationships. God, they, in their jobs, they're leaders. You've gifted us with the ability to lead and have influence. And so, Lord, I pray that, that as we use that influence, that you would help us to be able to use it in the best ways possible, that we'd be able to find more purpose and more meaning in the things that we're doing. God, we thank you for all that you're doing. Pray that over the next two weeks, you help us grow in our leaderships as we close out this year and see you do some incredible things to jumpstart 2020. That as we walk into that new year, God, in, in eight, nine weeks, seven weeks, whatever it is, God, that as we walk into 2020, you'll have shifted some things in our leadership that allow us to have more purpose and more meaning. We believe you can do this. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that you enjoyed the message today. We would love to be able to partner with you on your faith journey. Regardless of where you're at or what you're walking through, know that your friends at City Hills Church are here for you. 
If you would like for us to pray for you, click the contact button on the top of the homepage and share your request with us. Our prayer team will keep you and your family in prayer every week. We hope you have an incredible day and that you discover a little more purpose throughout your week. We look forward to seeing you soon.